Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hey, it is Angie Austin and the good news gals. Donna's here, Michelle, Monique, and Jennifer, and producer Dave. And we're going to talk first about Donna's blog. She has a ministry for encouraging and uplifting women, uh, Jericho Girls. And then if we have time, Dave, we'll do our good news story. But the reason I want to talk about the blog is because we get so carried away, like as, you know, friends talking about life and the things we deal with with our children as Christians, just trying to be good wives, be good parents, be good sisters and friends, um, and that's where our conversation takes us, and I hope it's encouraging to you, and I hope as Christian women we seem approachable and relatable because we're battling out there with the same things that other people are, but we're trying to come uh, from a Christian perspective in all of this, and Donna with Jericho Girls, uh, you're going to be uh, launching on June 7th. This is a way for women around the country, around the world, to be encouraged and hear a speaker and to come together, because sometimes, like, I used to go Thursday nights uh, at my church. Uh, I used to go to Denver Christian Bible Church, and I always giggle about it because we were the only white family, and when Pastor Moreland was like, why weren't you there on Sunday? I'm like, how did you know? And he's like, you're the only blonde lady on the <laughs> in that row of the church who sits there. You know, and it made me giggle when I stopped and sat for a second. Like, how did he know if the whole church that I wasn't there? That's, That's so right. weird. You know, I mean, so Oh, I miss them, and I miss Thursday nights, and I miss the dinners that we'd have. But we have sports now on Thursday nights, so I miss that connect that we do, which, by the way, yes. Denver Christian Bible Church does Thursday night connect. Pastor Moreland is so uh, gifted when it comes to preaching, and he's so encouraging. And so um, check that church out, by the way. But I miss that. And so Jericho Girls, too, I've told you many times I want to go. And I'm in that part of my life season, as Christians say, That's where, right. you know, I get up at 3 a.m. I have two radio shows. I now, um, it's my show, one of them. And so I'm totally responsible for it and getting sponsors. And then I've got the three kids and they're each in four sports, which I try to overlap. But I don't have a lot of time. That's and right. uh, my husband has a startup. So hello, if he comes home by 7, I'm lucky. And my bedtime's allegedly 7.30. So my husband head is spinning. So the idea of like being able to encourage other women and be encouraged myself um, and meet even, you know, via Zoom or Skype or, you know, a, a conference call, that is something that's appealing to me. Right. And it's before your bedtime, 6.30 to 7.30. We do Exciting. one hour. So we're going to be a respecter of your time. We're not going to run over and uh, we just want to keep it to one one hour of true connection. So it's going to be really good. How gonna... does it work? So uh, you have to email me and you can get in touch with me through Angie's. AngieAustinRadio.com. AngieAustinRadio.com. Yes. Yeah, so email Angie and um, or go on the, her website and then you email me and we're going to send you a Zoom link and then you will tune in a little before 6.30. We'll get some introductions in and we're going to have guest speakers. We're going to have about 30 minutes of speaking and teaching and then 30 minutes of interaction action time, question and answers. Like, well, how does that work? How does that apply to my life? How can I go out in the world and really use this? Give me a tool to put in my tool belt where I can be, um, I can break down those walls of discouragement. Or I have Carla Autry, who's going to talk about dishonesty and how uh, we were just talking about that off air and how that and really affects our Christian walk when yes. we have even little lies in our lives. And uh, our body lets us know, um, those of us who are walking with Jesus, you know, it, our body, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And, and so there are signs that we see 
in each other when there's yeah. dishonesty going on yeah. and why we need to break down those walls of dishonesty with one another. And I think omitting information sometimes when we know it can be harmful to another is also dishonest. Yes. And I think that we can try to shade and color dishonesty in interesting ways, but I think it's still dishonesty. And I've been lucky in my professional life that I got to a point professionally after working, you know, in LA for 10 years. And, um, you know, I had a pretty difficult upbringing and becoming a Christian while I was living with another family when I was in uh, sixth grade, that was life-changing for me. So I think that um, I've had the advantage professionally that I could walk away from a job or stand up for myself if I felt something was not right. And if I was asked to do something unethical, that I would walk away from a job if right. it was wrong for me. Mm -hmm. And that as Christians, I think we have to really stand firm that, yes, it's great to make a living, but there has to come a point when we you have to stand up for what's right. Absolutely. And that you can't, as a Christian do something that's wrong or harmful. I remember working at this news magazine, Extra, and I felt like we had uh, done the wrong thing to Carney Wilson. I did a story on her. I got to know her really well. And then there was another story on Linda Blair. She was in The Exorcist. And I got to know both of them, was very friendly with them, uh, in particular, Linda Blair. And then when the story came out, again, this was years ago. You know, everything's changed since I worked there. This is, you know, a couple of decades ago. Um, so not the current management and not the current employees, totally different people. But um, the Carney story, she hadn't had the stomach surgery, and it was supposed to be about her career, and it ended up the way that they shot it and cut it was about how fat she was. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can try to hedge it any way you want, but that's how it turned out. Well, I wasn't there when it was shot. I was the producer on the story, and uh, and so... I felt so horrible when she called me crying and she was really upset about the way the story turned out. And then Linda Blair, she had a problem with the story as well. And I didn't want to feel like I was misleading people, thinking, making them think a story was going to be one way and it was going to be another. And I felt like it was my name, my responsibility, and I was a Christian. And so that was one of the reasons that I left. Because oh, I felt that even though it was a really lucrative job and, you know, I really liked the people I work with, um, at the time it, it was different. It was more tabloid-ish. Mm -hmm. And so I felt really sad that I kind of helped cause someone pain. Yeah. Well, but you didn't, Angie. No, but I, well, I, I but get it. I Your association with them. My nature, my personality to bring them in. So I felt knowing that this, these stories might be swayed in a way that wasn't the way that I presented them. Um, that I was getting people to open up their homes and their lives and bring cameras in, and then they were being hurt because they felt the story wasn't what I had sold them on because I didn't know that it would be about that either. Well, I think anybody that has ever been in the public eye, you know, when Stephen and I were the national co-chairs for MDA's ALS division and we were on the cover parade, I mean, you, NFL, NBA, yeah. Yeah, a lot, you, a lot of the you, women sitting here, we've been in the limelight, whether it's through our husband's career and our families being, you know, um, in the limelight. That, But there's a responsibility that goes along with that. And if there's a track record where I see people getting hurt and I that I felt disappointed that I was part of that. Uh, everybody's not like you. In right. <laughs> I was teasing my husband last week because he was called by two news outlets two different ones and he made a comment and for each one of those and they totally twisted it around and out of context um, last week when i was here 
um, on the radio. I was getting a text from him. He was just freaking out. He was like, I didn't say this. And, and that's why last week when I was saying when Andre was playing, I stayed out of the limelight because when I would do stuff, it was always like your words were twisted and they oh, never, so they never portrayed it like you said it. So I was just trying to get like, the you know, story, the, oh, yeah. the angle. They want the angle. And I was just kind of like, okay, I'm done with this. So now it's like, okay, God, you're really pushing me back out. Like, it's, <laughs> and it's so discouraging that everybody isn't like you, Angie. And just just last week that it happened to um, Andre, and I was like, and when we got the text about, you know, the second news article, and I was like, boy, you're on a roll today, and we just kind of laughed. And I told him, I was like, Andre, do not do anything unless I'm there with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to take that away from you, your voice. Because but... he is a big teddy bear, mm-hmm. and yeah. he has such mm-hmm. good intentions. And he also is very, I think, trusting of people. And he is too trusting of people. Mm-hmm. Maybe and... you should record the, the interviews that they and have. And that's what so I that usually do, too. but I wasn't around yeah. when... Boy, you could almost, in this day and age, get the questions, and you could do it and record his responses and right. send yeah. them via an MP3. I mean, right. it's amazing yeah. now what you can do yeah. to have control over your words and, you know, wow. Um, yeah, I'm on the board of a, a nonprofit, and they... It, we just were on the news, and our the spokesperson that was there, she's also on the board, she she was like, oh my gosh, they totally took that out of context. I did not say that. And it aired, and then other people in the industry are calling Boy. her, and she's up, you know, they're upset. And she's like, I didn't say that. And it yeah. just, it's. You know, that's funny. It's This is all coming back to me. I hadn't thought about this in many years, <laughs> but Corky, this black um, person who used to work on the news about 20 years ago. Yeah. He did the same. He did something to me that really embarrassed me. I was in, I mean, to me, it was embarrassing. To other people who don't know me, they probably just thought, what a spoiled brat. But he interviewed, I was at Overland, and he interviewed me and this other girl who were really highly recruited volleyball players. And I was talking, he was asking about our recruiting trips and all that. And I said, you know, the best, the best thing about it. Now, I'm coming from a person who I know my parents can't afford to pay for all this and pay for all that. And so I was like, the best thing about it is I'm going to save my parents, you know, like $20,000, $30,000 a year. And I was really excited about it. And the way they played it on the news, it made it sound like, like I was talking about it, like it was, you know, like they spend that money on me all the time, and this time I'm gonna like do them a favor. It made me sound like a, a really spoiled brat. Wow. And that really bothered me because I was a senior in high school, and I was like, I, I was, I was the kind of kid, you know, I, I didn't ask my parents for extra stuff because they paid a lot of money for me to play club sports yeah. and travel. Yes. And my mom worked two full time jobs. Wow. And so for them to make me sound like a whiny brat, that really, I, I, I can't forgive Corky. <laughs> I need an apology. It's so sad because Alicia was just telling us, like, she doesn't like to do interviews. And she's a high school unless, athlete. They just won state mm-hmm. on basketball. And she doesn't like to do interviews unless she's speaking directly into the mic. She's like, if they come Live. with their tablet, 
No, mm. because she's always like, I did not say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Taken yeah. out of context. And that's terrible. Think about it. It's one thing to twist the words of an adult, but a oh, kid that's child, child, yeah, that not that's okay. young. You know, and I do, I do appreciate, uh, honestly, my husband's super honest. So you see, I have another pair of glasses here. I have another pair that I got last week as well. <laughs> and I put them on and he was staring at me. And I said, mm. what, what, don't you like my new glasses? And he said, uh, Oh, he said, I, I, I love them. If you were building engines in a Ford plant in Michigan, those would be the best looking safety glasses I have ever seen. I and so them. I said, uh, thank you. No, the ones I did put them on, I'll oh, bring them next week. I they do look like, like safety glasses. So I went online and applied at Ford and said I already had the glasses. <laughs> and, uh, but I was like, okay, I do like honesty. And that, that did make me laugh, actually, because I thought, wow, they do look like safety glasses. That is so crazy. I didn't notice that when I, I was at the, at the eye. You told with the gray me that story black. last week. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. said, those are really cute. <laughs> I think you kind of looked librarian-ish. And I, oh my you know, gosh. I think husband. You do not want to look like a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no. So when I—that's what when I buy something and my husband is like, mm -mm. it looks kind of like a school teacher. I'm like, I'm nope. Ford plants. I think you need to put on something sexy when the kids go to bed and wear those glasses and go. How do you? Yeah. How do you like it like now? For her kids, now. she goes to bed before the kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I do go to bed before my. I'm trying to fix that. I'm like, can't they go to bed? Because I try to go to bed. They're like running around yeah. and then they come running in. Like, he took my spoon. I that's my special spoon. I'm like, really? Your special spoon? I remember once I had to count out the marshmallows and Lucky Charms to make sure they were equal. I'm like, has it come wow. to this? Oh my really? gosh! Are we that competitive with each other? Well, yours are spread out a little more. Mine are super close in age, even closer than yours, Michelle. Yeah, I mean, I was running out of time. Okay, let's yes. be honest. So I had to like have them back to back to back. Okay, because I had a limited Some amount of time. Pretty busy. Yeah. Years yes. <laughs> Pretty busy years there, So, Angie. Dave, do we still have time for the um, honest comedian? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's actually a teacher. Oh. And who's, he's a teacher who uses comedy, and he's, like, discovered the truth through honesty. Oh. So, okay, it's I really like good. that. Like truth and love. That's what some of your Christian fr friends say when they totally offend you, and they're like, truth and love. Truth, truth and love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At a Varnett charter school in Houston. Eddie Brown is teaching sixth graders about the different forms of energy. Mechanical energy is movement. The kids right. love him in the classroom. Good job today, Geek. But by all accounts, Eddie is even more effective in the teacher's lounge, where he demonstrates the power of laughter. She speaks Spanish, Mr. Brown. Eddie is always making fun of his frustrations, always finding humor in the tortures of the job. Soon as they leave, oh. And his audience can clearly relate. Oh, you feel that way too? Ha! I thought I was the only one. I'm not crazy. I already knew my immediate circle of teachers went through it, but I didn't know that this transcended districts and states, countries. Eddie discovered that reach quite by accident. About a year ago, he posted a video on his Facebook page, called it What Public School Teachers Really Say. Professional development. I'm as professionally developed as I'm going to get. That video went viral, as did the next. See, this is why I tip the bartender so much. She the only one that understands me. And now, 60 videos later, that ordinary science teacher from Houston is an icon among educators, selling out his teachers-only comedy tour across the country. It's like Elvis with a master's degree, performing an entire set about mandatory staff meetings. You gotta do two things to have a short meeting. Shut. 
What did you tap into? It's what they want to say and don't say. First of all, we don't get paid enough. I can't stress that enough. It's not being able to teach how you want to teach. And in that sense, there's nothing funny about his comedy. Don't do that in my class. There's this underlying theme to each joke that teachers are fed up with being micromanaged and would like to be trusted again. In fact, at the end of each concert, Eddie is as serious as detention. So don't let them snatch your creativity. We'll be getting tired of it. And that's how this one man came to speak for an occupation. Sometimes honesty is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? My my older two daughters, their friends, they're always like to come to, to our house and my daughters do. are like um they love i don't know why but they love you guys they think you're so funny but we well you're young too yeah mm-hmm. they're like we don't think because andre and i that's how we approach parents you guys are hilarious you know the reason yeah. i initially <laughs> like heard you you were telling a story and it was so stinking funny and i was near you at a soccer game and i was cracking up and michelle i started watching some of the funny stuff you post on facebook and that's part of the reason even though we're in the same circle that I approached you guys and then when I started talking to you Monique um, and I found out you're a Christian it was just like we like hugged right away it was like we'd found each other in a sea of parents you know (laughs) and so like that clinched the deal Um, and then Michelle you just over time I mean I knew you several years and I didn't approach you to come in until I started following how much your heart for caring about others that you're very active on your Facebook page about like political justice type topics about doing what's right thinking what's right and so um, that's why I approached you and it's fun to be around funny friends and that I can see why the kids would want to come over to your house because you guys parent with so much love in your family and I so admire your husband for sticking through the pain that he has felt post-career of the 10 plus surgeries and the the brain injury that he suffered of sticking with life because he is such an incredible parent and family man that his job now is probably more important than it was in the NFL because now not only does he get to mentor his own children he gets to also influence these other kids and Michelle I know you do the same thing at your house we have kids come over and there was a boy recently that we were taking to church with us and he ended up his father had killed his mother and then he was living um, his father's in prison and they've been moved now to another state and I think about him every day but I think how lucky we were to have to be able to influence him the short time we did gosh well the world needs more laughter too we're not laughing enough we're so serious I know everybody gets bent out of shape on the silliest yeah people are offended like the offendanistas my co-host in the morning calls them that (laughs) yeah he's just like every day they must get up and try to figure out what they're going to be offended about today yes Yes. a lot of the stuff we say is a joke and I have to be honest no matter where you stand politically sometimes our president is trying to be funny and people don't get it and I know that that's not normally the role to be funny but sometimes when he does make a joke that that I just feel like I'll giggle a little bit. I'm like, oh, he's going to get it for that one. He's going to get it for that one. And so regardless of whether it's him or someone else, I I appreciate a sense of humor. And sometimes humor doesn't work. Like over the years, sometimes people thought I was picking on like one of my co-hosts that I worked with on TV and he'd wear like a bow tie and I'd be like, welcome to the set, Orville Redenbacher. And he'd be like, oh, I can't even believe you like said he like look like Orville Redenbacher. I'm like, he full on does. It was funny. (laughs) Like he he laughed too, you know? And so um, it's fun to laugh. But I think in our politically correct world now, I feel like sometimes you have to be careful about what you're laughing about. 
about because, for instance, Tom Brady the other day at the Met Gala, he dressed in this, like, he looked like Steven Seagal or, like, he worked at a movie theater and someone <laughs> put on Twitter that he looked like an accountant for a mariachi band. I am sorry. <laughs> he hilarious. That was hilarious. That's hilarious. But, then, but if you say that, then you're going to make someone else mad. And then someone said he looked like he was trying to make people in the audience suspend their belief for just one day and pull a rabbit out of his hat. Oh, God. Because he did look like, I mean, his suit was so ridiculous. But, you know, if you're that loaded and you're going to wear a brocade, a gold brocade suit to the Met yes. Gala, like, yes. is it okay it. still to kind of, like, punk him or not? Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I think we need to live a life unoffended. Yes. We've Ooh. got to get into the habit of being unoffended and just lighten up. Especially as Christian. Yes. Tom yes. Brady's married to Giselle. I think he'll be just fine. I think so, yeah. too. Mm -hmm. yeah, but I don't know. Where's the line? Where's the line? And as Christians, can we still be funny? Or will I get in trouble for repeating that tweet? You know what I mean? I think I think it's all what the meaning behind it is. If you mean it in jest, if somebody takes it wrong, that's their issue. You know your heart. You know if you're saying something that is just to be funny. All right. If you want to get in touch with any of the ladies, Michelle's in real estate. Donna has Jericho Girls. And we're going to hear her speak encouraging other women. If you feel discouraged and want to hear it on June 7th, go to AngieAustinRadio.com and email me. Jennifer uh, deals with health and wellness and a supplement that's really helped her family that I take as well. And Monique has the most amazing line of hair extensions. They're super cool. AngieAustinRadio.com. Good news of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two, and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things, and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to the good news. If you like the good news program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com. AngieAustinRadio.com. Just click on contact me. I would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Welcome back to The Good News. Robert Bakke is joining us. He is an author and a speaker with quite a colorful past, and we are going to be talking about passing on healthy habits to our kids. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself because you have a pretty uh, you know, interesting background. Well, it, it is. It's a really blessed background. Um, uh, it, I'm not looking for sympathy here, but I grew up that skinny little kid in school. In fact, I was the, I was the kid that was picked last in gym class 
pretty much every single day. And, and uh, to give you an idea of what that looked like, as a, as a senior in high school, Yes, I was five foot ten, but I was only one hundred thirty pounds. I was, Whoa. yeah. I mean, I was nothing but a bone thin klutz. I was that kid that wore a t shirt to the beach so no one would laugh at my rib cage. The whole thing, and then um, in college, and it's a long story why I got frustrated enough to do this. But I sat down and I decided that I would read the New Testament, not the whole Bible, just the New Testament, mm -hmm. and and that was out of a frustration. And I ended up reading it side by side in two versions, a King James version and then something called a paraphrased edition, which broke it down and made it really easy. And what was interesting was that while I did that, it took three and a half weeks, my entire life pivoted. And I, I saw all these visions for my life, and I truly believed in my heart that God was asking me, skinny little klutz me, to prove to the world that all things were possible. And so I took off on a bunch of journeys that everyone said couldn't be done. And uh, uh, I took a number of notes along the way, wrote a book about it. And, and then uh, uh, one of the things that happened last year uh, was we, we hit number one on Amazon. And I encourage everybody to, to check this book out. It's only $3.03 on ebook, actually. But we wrote a book called Prayer at Full Throttle. And uh, it's about miracles and tapping into the power of God to release miracles in your own life. We included pictures to prove that it works. But but here's what it's all based on. That five foot, 10, 130 pound klutz, I took off to, be, to become a black belt. And everyone said I was too skinny. I was too uh -huh. fragile. I would get punched once and quit and that I would never make it. But you know what? I became a black belt in Shotokan Karate and a regional champion. I also saw myself running a multi-million dollar company, the big desk, the credenza, the whole dealio. And by the age of 24, I was running a multi-million dollar company. I also saw myself flying jet airplanes because I really loved airplanes. And, and so I also, after that, flew myself into the left seat of a jet. I've been a jet captain for 17 years. Um, and then we, um, you know, and I also saw myself becoming an author. And uh, now we're a number one best-selling author. And, and, and it's so interesting to me because Every step of the way, people said it couldn't be done. They said I would never fly myself into, in, in, into the left seat of a jet. They said it would take too long, cost too much money, I'd be too old. Nobody would ever hire me. And yet I've been a jet captain for 17 years. So there's a huge lesson in everyone who can hear my voice. I'm just telling you this. Um, what you need to do is you need to believe in the power that God has put inside of you, you need to look at the visions that he places into your life. Don't worry about the negative advice. And do these things. Dream bigger, believe stronger, work harder, and surround yourself with people that encourage you. And you, you do those things and you stay focused on the call put, uh, that God put on your life. I guarantee you that God will come right down and he will work miracles right through the palms of your hands, just like he did when he worked through little David to take out Goliath. It's the same thing. He'll do it with you. When you mentioned all things are possible, I thought about my favorite verse, Philippians 4.13, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the whole, that's your message. Well, and, that, and that's such a great verse because there's this overwhelming grace message now that you know, people are saying, well, there's no works anymore. There's no works anymore. And so if you try to do something, they say, oh, no, no, you shouldn't do anything now. We're under grace. But what they're missing is the fact that we're not saved by our works. We don't earn salvation. Right. But once you become a person of faith and you are now walking in faith, mm -hmm. you, you, just, you just hit the ball out of the park, Angie. 
Jesus said, you know, I can do all things Thanks through Christ. Christ. So that's God's word. I can do all things through mm -hmm. Christ. Strengthens me. And, and there you have it. Doing. You have. You, you know. You just have to be able to do things. And and that's where people blow it. They they sit and they wait for magic fairy dust, not realizing that God is anxious to work right through right through your hands, but He needs you to get up and go to work first. Love it. Love it. All right, well, let's talk about passing on healthy habits to our kids. You talked about being a young person and deciding that all things were possible. So how do we pass these healthy habits on to our kids? Well, first of all, parents need to, to, to lead the way in their families right now. Um, it's, it's almost troubling to watch right now how much children are actually running households. I mean, when's the last time you saw a family sit down on a regular basis and have dinner together? Yeah. It, we do, but yeah, you're right. Most people don't. And, and you know, there's just a lot of things people um, need to stop doing, and then they need to start doing other things. You know, for instance, um, we're spending so much time on our little iPads and iPhones that, uh, you know, the stagnation is obviously causing physical problems. But look at it this way. The Bible says that idolatry is anything that takes the place of God in your life. And so I challenge people, what do you spend more time doing? Praying and reading the Bible or staring into your, your, your iPhone, and, and, and that's a scary thought for some people, and it probably steps on some toes. So here's some ways right. to get it. I want you to look at the I in iPhone. Uh, the, the I stands for idolatry, okay? It's your idolatry phone because you're probably spending more time on your iPhone than you are in the Bible. Scary thought. The other thing about the I in iPhone is it's about me, myself, and I. How many people are spending time on social media taking pictures of themselves and Snapchatting it? It's all about us. That is insurgency, and all success comes from servancy. Here's another thing that will really blow your shoes off. I got two, I got two suggestions for you. If, if you look at one of these um, old, um, like a cable network that shows old shows, this was a big epiphany. Last year, I saw a TV show called Emergency. It was a show that was on TV when I was a child. It was about these, um, these fire department EMT guys. It was called Emergency. Well, I haven't seen it for, for probably 20 years. And I watched it last year in 2015. Everybody in the show had a 15-inch or a 30, a 30-inch 30 waistline. Everybody was like these skinny little guys running around. And, I, and it was so noticeable, it caught my attention. And then just this last Christmas season, if you've never seen the movie, it's called Miracle on 34th Street. Mm -hmm. The original Miracle on 34th Street, best Christmas movie of all time. Everybody needs to run out and get that movie and look at Santa Claus. He's the skinniest Santa Claus you've ever seen. And yet in the movie, they even joke about the fact that the guy they've hired to be Santa Claus doesn't need any padding. They're implying... He's overweight, and, and he just looks like the rest of everybody now. I mean, America has really um, lost track of their fitness, and, and you know, um, th that's really sad because our body really is a temple, and we need to take better uh, care of it. And so here's my dealio. Families need to start having dinner again so they can spend more time together, which means maybe saying no to your kids. You know, they don't have to do everything. You can tell them no and teach them some patience. Yeah. But then here's one word, Angie, and this is to all your listeners. Put your phones down, all of you, and remember recess. Remember recess when you were a kid? You played yeah. every day in school. Every day kids played and had fun and they laughed and they communicated and they competed and they won and they lost and they scraped their elbows 
and they had fun. And for some reason, as we age, recess goes away, which it doesn't have to. doesn't matter how old you are. You should still be outside playing and having fun, and the day will come when you realize you need to get back to doing that. But families really need to play together again. I grew up hearing that a family that plays together stays together. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the divorce rate, 52%? Yeah. Hey, here's a tip. The family that plays together stays together, and there's all kinds of benefits in that. You know, I have to say, I think that we love adventures, and I love to plan all kinds of fun things with my kids, and we do it all together. We roller skate together. We rock climb together. You know, we go to the pool together and go down the slide together, whatever it is, and it's a ton of fun. I have a scooter just like they have a scooter, and I just think that when you ask a kid, well, at least my kids, what's your favorite? what was your favorite part of a day-to-day? What was your most magical part of the day at school? They generally say recess because they love to play. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I've seen the statistics on, on not just, you know, daily physical activity, but also on laughter. And I don't have them right in front of me, but basically it says this, that, you know, I, I'm going to pick some numbers that will be close. But with children, they laugh like, you know, 300 times a day. And they're tremendously healthy. And then by, like, you know, their 30s, they're laughing like, you know, 30 times a day and they're a little less healthy and then by the time you're 50 you're lucky to laugh three times a day and you know and of course health is deteriorating even further and you know the, the bible says that joy is good medicine <laughs> yeah. Hello? i mean there's a direct correlation between recess laughter joy physical fitness good health I mean, come on, those are where we need to be. So let's get our mindset back to that. I don't know if you saw this, but recently there was a study, a school is giving kids, it said, you won't believe what happened when a school gave kids four recess breaks a day. And they actually excelled because their brain needs that break. Oh, it doesn't surprise me. In college, one of the things that was a breakthrough for me was someone said, study 45 minutes and take a break. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, 45 minutes, I'm just getting started. And yet, really, it was true. Study 45 minutes, just get up, take a little break, have a you know, swig of soda or whatever the case might be, and walk around a little bit and sit back down. It, you know, we, we don't pay enough attention to the little 20-minute power nap over lunch or something like that. Right, right. It, I mean, it's so true. There's so many things we can do to be more uh, productive and more healthy and more physically fit. And, you know, and, and I'll tell you right now, from, from a national level, you know, the... the, the the more enthusiastic you are about your life, the more capable you feel. And, and really, that, can, can, that, that momentum can lead right into achieving bigger and bigger goals in your life. And there's a tremendous laughter, not laughter, but a, a joy and a satisfaction that's um, connected directly um, to achieving bigger goals in your life. And there's really no bigger goal than the calling that God puts on your life. And I I encourage everybody, and I'm just a living example of how somebody who doesn't think they have the power to make it um, can actually be used by God and achieve the impossible. Absolutely. And you have, you know, a passion for encouraging others to do the same. So, you know, having dinner with your family, spending time with your family, you know, showing your kids by example, healthy habits in your own life. Um, what, 
what else do you have a passion for in this whole uh, arena, passing this on to your kid, uh, you know, kids, pardon me, um, you know, in terms of eating, I think that so I, I just feel sorry for a kid when it comes to healthy eating habits and they're overweight and the parents are overweight. And I feel it's such a disservice to the child. And I know the parents battling their own demons, but it's so unfair to set your child up for bullying and failure and diabetes. And it breaks my heart when I see it. And yes, I'm sure there are a few instances where the child may, may have a health issue that exasperates their, exacerbates their problem. But in general, the problem is eating too much of the wrong foods. You know, I, you, the words too much, you just nailed it. You know, and I'll defer this to a, a guy who's really focused on physical fitness, and that's Sly Stallone. And, you know, it, it's interesting to me. Um, he was on Larry King, Sylvester Stallone, the guy that played yeah. Rocky. If you don't yeah. know this, but, you know, the guy who played Rocky. Yeah, he's, he's in a new movie now, and he's uh, getting a lot of accolades for that. People yeah. say he's outstanding. Yeah, you know, he's, a, he's an amazingly talented and, and intelligent man, and I had heard him. I was out uh, actually in Montana. And he was on Larry King, and Larry King was quizzing him on his ability to stay fit and, and why all these diets fail. And Stallone said this. He said, the first step is you have to understand who you are and what you like. He said, if you're a steak eater, you can try to live on lettuce and water all you want to, but you're going to go back to eating steak because you're going to be who you are. So accept that. And then he said, there's only two more things. Reduce your portions and increase your exercise, and this is the example he used. He was kind of being sarcastic, but he said, if you're eating three pizzas a day, cut it to two pizzas a day, and get a little exercise, even if it means grabbing a toothpaste tube and twisting it back and forth 10 times. But he said, we all have to reduce our intake and increase our exercise, and it's no more complicated than that, but people won't do it. And when you just use the words too much, you hit the nail on the head. Our portion control in this country has gone bananas. Yeah, I agree. We have to eat smaller portions and just eat slower <laughs> and exercise more. It's not rocket science, but it's a matter of your ability um, to commit to do it. It's about willpower. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's so simple, but yet so difficult to execute. But Isn't that funny? It is so simple, but difficult to execute. You know, you, you talked in your notes to me, you mentioned kids spending more time on video games and watching TV, uh, get the kids moving more. You mentioned, you know, the family activities and fun and adventures like we do, whether it in, involves hiking or um, you know, ice skating, sledding, all of these things are so much fun. Just think about how much fun you had doing that as a kid. Why not do it with your kids as an adult and then when you mention the bible you say so many things come up in the news regarding the the bible and people complain or i don't want that you know in my child's school play i don't want any mention of scripture like the uh line uh the uh charlie brown play that was at a kindergarten i didn't want it mentioned you know the scripture from luke the parents uh, one parent was up in arms we say a lot of people don't even actually read the book that they're so offended by Uh, Okay, this is another um, kind of awful and astonishing statistic, but best case, only 8% of Christians have read the New Testament, and I'm not even talking about the whole Bible. I'm talking about just the New Testament, which is, as you know, is essentially the, the agreement we're living under now. Very few people have ever even read it, and if you do read it, you'll, you'll say exactly what I said when I read it back in college. I said, why in the heck did they... Why in the heck don't they teach you this stuff in church? And I used to say, like, what is everybody fighting about? First of all, if you read the New Testament, there's nothing in there that's even worth fighting about. 
but there's in there there there, there are things in there that, that are worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, people just need to toughen up and understand this: that so many people have been trained to be offended. Right. They have been they have been told what people can't tell them, and 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 quite frankly, if you speak one of those things, people will even call you dirty names, and we hate being called dirty names. But let's not forget the First Amendment. We have the right to say what is on our mind, and when people tell us, "Well, you can't mention the Bible." That is an infringement on our First Amendment rights. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us to be weak, cowardly, passive, and live in the shadows. That's what a lot of religion will tell you, but Jesus didn't tell us that. The New Testament tells us to be strong and to be courageous and to speak boldly. And it's a completely different mindset. And if we take things in context, I'll give you a great one. The word meek, we were told that Jesus was, well, he was meek. Well, okay, but in its Greek context, which the word, I mean, the New Testament's written in Greek, the word meek was a military term originally associated with their military horses, and meek actually means strength under control. So we are to be strong and controlled, but that doesn't mean passive and live like a church mouse. I mean, everything in the New Testament will only help a person's life. So, hey, you know what? Everybody needs to just learn to get unoffended. Don't be afraid of persecution. Say what's on your mind. It's your First Amendment right. And I guarantee you this, that Jesus knows a lot more about what's best for you than your neighbor, the plumber, who yells at you for mentioning the book of Matthew. You know, I um, I was looking, we have to wrap up the interview, and I want you to have a moment here, a minute, to kind of uh, s- summarize and, you know, offer people what you want them to walk away from this interview with, what you want them to think, feel, go over. Um, and you mentioned in the, at the end of your notes, how does all of this that, you know, we talked about relate to America being both a Christian and a prosperous nation? Talk about that as we well, wrap things up. First of all, we have to get the Bible back at the forefront. We are a God-blessed nation. All of our founding documents, were 60% of the content comes directly out of Bible Scripture. In fact, the founding fathers used nine different preachers to help them get the Bible Scripture right uh, when they formed the founding documents. You know, we, we have to understand that the $19 trillion in debt this nation is going to collapse under is non-biblical. God's Word says a nation shall never borrow but only lend. And so we we should be a debt-free nation. We have to gun down entitlements and take those away. We're supposed to help people who are in need and and need a hand up, but that doesn't mean just give money to lazy people who don't want to work. That's not biblical either. So we need we need to get the Bible back into the forefront of this nation. We start we need to start believing that all things are possible again, and that includes you because a nation isn't as great as its government. The nation is only as great as you are. If you can hear my voice right now, I'm talking to you. America is only as great as you are. So you need to dream bigger, believe in the talents God gave you, and unleash them on this country. That's what we need from everyone. All right, Robert, how do we find you and your books? Well, you know what? Uh, Prayer at Full Throttle, number one bestseller, is available on, uh, on Amazon, or you can go to... Uh, robertbakke.com B-A-K-K-E and uh, buy a paperback I'll sign it and send it to you awesome God bless you Robert thank you thank you so much and hello again to all of your listeners have a great day 
to any of the YMCA of the Rockies locations to fill your days and nights with our exciting and educational programs and activities. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we put Christian principles into practice with our fun and informative programs, and our facilities are located in stunning environments that help build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. We also provide conferences of a religious, educational, or recreational nature, and we specialize in offering traditional summer camping experiences for boys and girls. At the YMCA of the Rockies, every season brings affordable fun and excitement for the entire family. YMCA of the Rockies has locations near Winter Park, Rocky Mountain National Park, and Grand Lake. Go to ymcaoftherockies.org. Whether you are looking for adventure, a better way to connect with your family, or just a relaxing stroll, we can set you on your way. That's ymcaoftherockies.org. Welcome back. Angie Austin here. Joining us is Dr. Michael Callahan. He's a physician who treats hemophilia A and also Ken. And Ken Martin is uh, a man in his 50s, just 50, uh, living with hemophilia. And they're here to discuss this topic and help educate us. Welcome, gentlemen. Morning. Morning. Thanks for having us. All right, uh, doctor, let's start with you. What do you want us uh, to take away from this interview today? What do you want us to learn? Sure. So um, we're, we're excited to be on today. March is Bleeding Disorder Awareness Month, and we're working with Genentech to raise awareness about hemophilia A. And hemophilia A is a rare bleeding disorder that affects about 20,000 men in the United States. And I think a lot of people in the general public are aware of hemophilia, um, but I I think they have some misconceptions. So we'd like them to take away that um, people with hemophilia A don't die from minor cuts. Um, Most of the bleeding, in fact, is is into the joints. Um, And people with hemophilia A get early arthritis from bleeding into the joints. Um, But we'd also like them to take away that people with hemophilia A have effective treatments and um, are living normal, productive lives. Well, I'd like to hear about that, Ken, about your life, your experience. What's your journey been like? Being born with hemophilia and then diagnosed at age two, um, I was diagnosed with, with what's called an inhibitor at age five. I haven't really known anything different than what I've lived with throughout my life, and it's affected me, obviously. I spent my senior year in a wheelchair because of an internal bleed into my leg. The goal was to walk across the stage by the end of that year, and I was able to do that, but it's, it's affected everything that I do. You talked about that goal. Has that been an important part of your journey with hemophilia, setting goals and achieving them? Actually, it's it's tough sometimes to set goals with hemophilia because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Mm-hmm. So you you set a goal of getting day through day to day. That's that's your goal. Now, uh, obviously, treatments have changed, Doctor. You meant uh, you mentioned advancements, and Ken, you've probably been experiencing those advancements over the last few years. So, how far have we come? That's a great question. I think we've come a long way. Ken uh, was first diagnosed. People were being treated with blood transfusions. Later, they were able to isolate the blood clotting factors and even and make them. Um, unfortunately, about a third of people develop these inhibitor antibodies or an immune response against the treatment. And when that happens, our standard treatment, factor eight replacement, doesn't work as well. So people with um, hemophilia A without inhibitors have had good treatments for a while. But um, in the last couple of years, we've had a major advancement in, in the treatment of people with inhibitors. Um, there's a new drug um, that Ken's been using called Hemlibra that was approved last year, um, and it's used to prevent bleeding in people with 
with hemophilia A, and it reduces bleeding by about 90%. Um, as with any drug, it can have side effects. It, it's used to help the blood clot, and um, people can get pathological blood clots or TMA, especially when they use it with um, other blood clotting drugs called APCC. So I, I think as with any drug, you should talk to your doctor about it, but um, if you're interested in more information, you can get that at um, hemlibra.com or, or from the Genentech. And that's H-E-M-L-I-B-R-A, like Libra. I'm I'm a Libra, so Hem Libra. And uh, right. I, I want to talk, Ken, a little bit about um, how this has been for you. So a different treatment with Hem Libra the last year. Uh, has it? Have you seen your life improve? Have uh, what's changed for you? The time that's what's changed. Uh, the time that internal bleeds that would take up uh, where I'd be uh, in a wheelchair or on crutches. The time to treat with the medicines that were available uh, took a significant amount of time and frequently to whereas now uh, I take a once a week injection and that has prevented bleeding. Uh, my bleed rate, if you will, went from 20 for every six months down to two. So it's wow, it's made a significant impact. And I'm just curious, Ken, because people like you who really you know, impress me and uh, encourage me because you're obviously, um, you know, taking Hem Libra, a new medicine, but you're, you've also um, continued to move forward and do the best you can. So what words of encouragement would you give to others before we end the interview? Well, encouragement would be that, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, would be that, you know, medicine has evolved throughout my lifetime, especially um, in that, you know, with new medications that are on the market now, things look promising um, as far as, they won't have the joint damage that I have, mm-hmm. and they'll be able to lead uh, a little bit more normal life. Well, I appreciate you, Dr. Callahan, and also Ken Martin for joining us. And, Doctor, would you give the website one more time for people who want more info? Sure. So if you want more information about that new drug, you can go to hemlibra.com, H-E-M-L-I-B-R-A. Or if you're interested in general information about hemophilia, you can go to the National Hemophilia Foundation, NHF website, or the Hemophilia Federation of America, HFA website. Excellent. And thank you, too, Ken, for sharing your story. I'm sure you're giving a lot of other patients hope. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.